Let us pray. Father, it's a great and wonderful thing. It's a great responsibility to have your word before us. And so we pray that you be with us, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by telling you a story. Have I ever told you the story of how I became an associate reformed Presbyterian? You're all like, no, of course not. Well, I'm going to tell you this. More mic. All right, more mic. How's that? Better? We're good? All right. How I became an associate reformed Presbyterian. Well, the story goes back several generations. We're going to take you back to the 1930s, 100 years ago in very round figures, all right? My <clears throat> grandmother, um, Bertha Rogers, originally Bertha Redford, she was born in England, raised in Canada, married an American sailor, see also Navy pen here, uh, and uh, through the Navy they got stationed in California and eventually they had a couple of children. Now, grandmother hadn't been raised in the best circumstances. I don't know. She had a dozen brothers and sisters and so on, and her mother had, I'm going to say, some difficulty. Grandmother made it through the second grade, and then they said, that's enough schooling for you. You can go get a job now, okay? You have those of you who are old enough to remember that children used to be sent to work in a factory, And so having finished the second grade, she went to work in the factory there in Toronto, Canada, in a biscuit factory. I don't know what she was making, but we'll say they were cookies, all right? Something sweet anyway. So there she was working in the factory. And um, even when she had been in school, her mother, who I said was not quite normal, used to lock her in the closet so she couldn't go to class even in those two years that she was allowed to go to school. So she didn't get hardly any education. And, well, did I mention her mother was a little strange? So she didn't get a lot of schooling in how to be a mom. And then here she was married to this sailor, and all of you who know the military know that, well, being married to the military, you don't have a lot of support around. So there she was trying to raise two kids and grandfathers off doing stuff and, you know, all good stuff. And so on. But she just was unsatisfied with where she was as a parent. She knew that she wasn't doing this stuff right. But somewhere in their neighborhood, there was a lady And the story is slightly vague. My mother's version is one and my mother's sister's version is another. I don't think those two had the same childhood. But anyway, all of their stories are like that. And I'm going to go with my my aunt's version because it makes the most sense to me. So she lived in the neighborhood and they knew her somehow. And grandmother had been raised in church, but... as she used to say, it wasn't a very serious church. She was raised in the Church of England, and she felt like it wasn't very serious. And, And so grandmother watched this woman, and she watched the way she was with her children. And grandmother saw in this woman something, and she said, I want to be like that. I want to be like that woman. And so that woman, as it turned out, was a Presbyterian. And so grandmother, as she's coming along, says, all right, if I'm going to be like that woman, I've got to start going to church again. 
even in the 20s and 30s, young people quit going to church, all right? And so there she was. She said, I'm going to be like that woman. And so when they moved to Arkansas, uh, grandfather's job after the war uh, transferred him to Arkansas to start a factory. She got there, and they went and they looked at each one of the Presbyterian churches in Little Rock, and grandmother's vote over and over again was not serious, not serious, not serious. And finally, they wound up in what's was then the, the Highland Heights Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. And they said, ah. And so on one Sunday, my grandfather, who'd been raised in church but never made a profession of faith, he was baptized along with my mother and her sister. Grandmother had been baptized as a child. And so they joined the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church and remained there until I died, or until they died. I'm still alive. Until they died. She wanted, my grandmother wanted, she had this very strong desire to imitate this lady that she saw raising her children. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go to our scripture passage today in Philippians chapter 3. Because I want you to hear this word that's there over and over again as we read from Philippians chapter 3 beginning at verse 17. Brothers... Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself therefore my brothers whom i love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the lord my beloved this command that paul gives here In chapter 3, verse 17, which is where we'll spend most of our time this morning, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the examples you have in us. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That's a very frequent command in the scripture. Listen to just a handful of these. 1 Corinthians 4.16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate And lest we suppose that the Apostle Paul is the only one to speak this way, listen to some other passages. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and... Want to guess what word comes next? Imitate their faith. Third John, chapter 11. Third John, one of those chapters, one of those books in the Bible we don't read very much. But he says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And here's one that knocked my socks off, one of my favorite sayings. Quote from Dr. Edmund Clowney. He says, we are to be imitators of God as beloved children. We are to be holy as he is holy. Perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And then he quotes from 1 Peter 1.15 and says, be holy in all that you do. And in case this list hasn't gotten your attention yet, think of Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's Jesus telling us to imitate our heavenly Father. But preacher, you might say, what does all this imitation mean? I don't like imitation crab. It's fake. I don't like imitation butter. It's fake. I don't like imitation olive oil. I don't even know what that stuff is. It's fake. Why do I want to imitate Paul? Why do I want to imitate Jesus? Why do I want to imitate God, the Father? Isn't that word imitation just fake? Well, that is possible. You can imitate in the sense of just doing something that you see somebody else doing without any understanding. Children do that all the time. They usually wind up getting swatted on the bottom or maybe their mouths washed out or something. But they go and they see somebody do something and so they do it. They see a parent do it and so they do it. And the parent says, don't do that. Do as I say, not as I do. Or they see a playmate do something and they imitate it. If I may quote my wife, then one of my favorite stories. When she was a child, she used to go to prayer meeting with her family. Dad was the pastor, mom was there too, all the others. So there she was at prayer meeting with all of the other folks, and there she is, the little children, and she hears all of the prayers that people are making, but she doesn't quite get it right, and so she prays for the missionaries in the farm fields. They'd all prayed for the foreign fields, but when you're five years old, what's a foreign field? So she prays for them in the farm field. She doesn't quite understand the idea, but she's trying, all right? So yes, there is such a thing as imitating in the wrong way. But let's go back to the beginning. 
I gave you the example of my grandmother who wanted to be like her Presbyterian neighbor. Grandmother didn't know how to be a good parent, but when she saw someone who certainly seemed to be a good parent, grandmother said, I want to be like that. I want to be a parent like that. I want to act like that. And my mom and her sister got the benefit of that. And then when my mom went off and got a job and grandmother was raising me, I got the benefit of that because that's what she did. She said, how would this woman who loved her children was kind and thoughtful and patient, how did she do things? And that's the way grandmother did it. She acted the way she had watched this other lady act as she raised her children. Now, some of us who were older may remember the old-fashioned mimeograph machine. Anybody remember mimeograph machines? Yeah. Oh, the smell. Yeah. Great things. Now, the the name of the mimeograph machine comes from the Greek word to, can you guess? Imitate. Mimeo. Sounds like mimic. Sounds like, yeah, you got it. And it comes from that word to imitate. Now, the originator of a document in the olden days would type up a document on a piece of this special carbon paper. And each, well, you used a manual typewriter and it punched a hole in there and then the ink would go through there, all that good stuff, all right? And whatever you typed, that's what you got. That was the thing. You punched a hole in that paper and the ink went through there. And they would place that special carbon paper on a roller. And if you were the pastor's daughter at church, you might be the one on Saturday night printing off the programs. Or if you were the junior person in the office at work, you might be the one printing off all of that stuff we ran off. This is in the 70s. We still were doing this stuff, all right? We still were doing that stuff there. And what you got was exactly what you had typed. Maybe it had a mistake. Maybe it had a correction. But you got exactly what you had printed off. And the idea is that the copy was exactly what you had typed. Nowadays, we just use the copy machine. I don't even have to hit a button anymore. I sit at my computer and I I do something and I say, yes, print this, and it prints. And It's very exciting, and I can move everything around. But not in the old days. I got an original copy. What the apostle is telling us is that God the Father is the original, that that piece of carbon paper has been typed up correctly. He's a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's the Westminster Shorter Catechism definition of God. Now, we can't be infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in our beings. We're not God. Only God can do that. The theologians make a distinction between the communicable and the incommunicable attributes. Don't worry about that. But we can duplicate... We can follow, we can imitate, we can seek to be like God in wisdom, in holiness, in justice, in goodness, and in truth. Jesus, for example, says things like this in John chapter 8. I speak of what I have seen with my Father. And then he says to the Pharisees, you do what you've heard from your Father. 
Jesus is saying, I'm doing what God the Father does. And you know that he's telling his opponents that they're doing what their father, the devil, does. So here's God, the Father, all right? always doing good in wisdom, in holiness, in justice, and truth. And God is not sliced up. It's not like he does goodness some days and holiness some days and truth some days. Everything that God does is full of truth and holiness and love joy, all of those characteristics of God. Everything that God does has all of those things packed in it. Jesus, his only son, our Lord, who comes into the world, does what he sees his father doing. He does it the same way that God the Father does. Jesus acts with wisdom, with holiness, with justice, with truth. Jesus, the one who's full of the Holy Spirit, he perfectly embodies what it means to be God's son. Colossians chapter 1 goes into this at great length. So when Peter or John or Paul meet Jesus, it's usually a pretty dramatic experience because they are meeting God in the flesh. They're meeting someone who acts with wisdom, with power, with holiness, with justice, all at the same time. It's a very dramatic experience. And so they believe in him. They're born again. They have this new experience of life. When Paul, to take an example, meets Jesus on the Damascus Road, it's a pretty startling thing. He's knocked off his horse. He's he's on the ground. He can't see. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And you can imagine Paul going, this is not going to end well. But instead, Jesus says, it's going to be okay. I've called you to serve me. When Peter meets Jesus, he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. All of these people have these tremendous experiences when they encounter that holiness of God in the person of Jesus. But Jesus says, no. You come with me. You be my disciple. You believe in me. You follow me. And they respond and say, yes, that's what I want to do. Paul, as we saw last week, he's talking about, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to take hold of all the things that are in Jesus. Wisdom, holiness, justice, goodness, truth. When these writers of scripture, the men who record the things that God has breathed out as we talked about in June, when they tell us how to live our lives, they tell us to imitate themselves as they imitate Jesus, as God imitates God the Father. Jesus, God the Son, is imitating his Father in wisdom, holiness, Justice, goodness, truth, all the different parts that that are God. They're not telling us to be fake. They're not telling us to fake it till you make it. They're not telling us to be artificial. But they're saying, watch how Jesus lives and duplicate that. The way that Jesus is, that's the the way that we want to be. Watch how Paul or Peter or John act and act like that. Listen again to some of those verses that we started with. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
for you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. And then Paul describes what he did with, when he was with them. He says, I'm giving you a model to imitate. Don't be sluggish, says the writer to the Hebrews. But imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Remember your leaders. He's talking about the elders in the church there. Those who spoke to you the word of God. You have that experience week by week as the elders of your church stand up here. And sometimes they preach. Sometimes they pray. And they have these wonderful prayers and these wonderful addresses from scripture. Remember that they spoke to you the word of God. And then he says consider the outcome of their life, and imitate that. Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And of course, in Philippians chapter 3, you notice that it doesn't only just say, imitate me, but it says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Being a Christian is a team sport, Being a Christian is something that involves other people. When we gather together on a Sabbath morning here in Hope Church in Opelousas or at River City in Little Rock or thousands of other places, we're gathering with all of the other Christians. We're gathering to encourage one another. When somebody says, I could worship God on the golf course, I reply, who cares? What's important is you're supposed to be encouraging one another. You're supposed to be an example for one another. You're supposed to be looking at the example of one another. And they may not be on the ninth tee with you. They're probably in church. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we go. We hear God's word. We see those examples. I remember the church that I grew up in, the Highland Heights Church, that was a very serious church. And I remember somebody else who'd grown up in the church. He was older than me, but we're talking together years later. And he says, you know, those were some saints. Man, sin would pop up and poof, they would knock it out. Okay, those were the people that I was raised with. They had this example. I had a job once. I, I did have a job. I, I, but I worked nights, all right? And, and I, was, I was working nights, and I, would, I wasn't married, so, you know, guys don't know how to feed ourselves and so on. But the women at church gathered every Thursday. They were doing quilts. They were quilting. And they would do something with these quilts. I think they would sell them or something to, to raise money for the missionaries. But they also all brought pots of food. <sighs> I showed up for quilting because, well, I had just rolled out of bed at lunchtime. I had the example of these generous people, these generous women. And it turns out all their husbands were there and the pastor was there. And so we're doing guy stuff too at the same time. We're all there doing this example. I'm watching these people as there I am, a 19-year-old, saying, what's it mean to be a Christian adult? I got to be with these people. I got to work on this together with them. And the pastor would say, Bill, let's go and pray. And we would pray together. And we'd go into church and he would kneel down. And, and those things are meaningful to me. I'm, I'm 65. 
I'm talking about stuff that's 45 plus years ago that means something to you. He says, join in imitating me. You don't do this as a single individual. You do it as a group. You need one another to encourage each other, to sometimes say, hey, how you doing? Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. What's going on in your life? To encourage, sometimes to confront us. And he says, watch your leaders. Look at the elders and deacons in your church. See how they're doing. Last time I was here, I remember very clearly one of the folks in church talking to me about prayer. And this particular person said, you know, Dean Ridbeck taught us how to pray. And that stuck with me. Here we are five months later. Because there was an example of saying, here's somebody who taught us to do something. And I'll bet we could go on. We could list many other people for you who you look to, you remember that you think of and say, that person taught me something about God, taught me something about being a Christian. Paul says, I want to know Christ. He says, that's the example I'm setting for you. Know Christ, know him, know the power of his resurrection. That's one of the reasons why I try to always mention something, somebody by name in a sermon. It's not to embarrass anybody, but to say, these are things that God has told us to do, and here's somebody doing it. I want to encourage you in that. I want to be encouraging to you. When I was a a military chaplain, we were stationed overseas at one point. We're on the island of Crete, and we're far, far from anywhere, and it's an all-unaccompanied base. Everybody's there all by themselves, and so no spouses, no kids, no family. And one day, my clerk was in line. In the military, you're always in line for something. She was in line, and she's listening to the people in front of her talk. And one of them says, you know what? If you're suicidal... Go see Chaplain Holloman. You spend an hour with him, you'll be laughing so hard you won't want to kill yourself. My clerk came back and told me that story. And I'm thrilled by it. Who knows whose life we saved by being with him and laughing with him. Sometimes that's that's a good thing. So what does this look like? In Galatians, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And then he tells us what that looks like. He gives us a list of things from the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's like that. That's the stuff that God produces in our lives. All the things that the Bible tells us to do, things like husbands, love your wives, children, obey your parents, wives, respect your husbands, all those other rules, they're about expressing what it means to live a life that imitates, a life that mimeographs what God is like. God loves us, and so we're supposed to love God and one another. God loves his church, and so we're supposed to love his church. God does good, and so on and so on. That's why we do good because we're being like God. Now, I have to say a little bit about an alternative way of life. If you and I don't follow God, if we don't imitate the way that God does things, then in Galatians, you remember Paul has a rather long alternative list of things that will characterize us. In our text today, Paul gives the alternatives. He says, many 
of whom I have often told you now and tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. The fact is that we will walk in one of two ways. Either we will follow the ways of God or we won't. When we follow the ways of God, we show that we really do believe in Jesus. And when we refuse to follow in those ways of God, it leads us into serious trouble. What does he say? Their end is destruction. Now, I can tell you that even though we have a perfect example, God, Jesus, even though we have really great examples in the apostles, Christians sometimes get the copy wrong. Remember me talking about how in that old mimeograph, whatever you typed, that's what got copied. There was no quick and easy correction to it. And sometimes we get the copy wrong in our lives. We may want to follow the ways of God, but we get off on the wrong path. We miss the mark. That's the definition of sin. Sometimes we imitate the Christians around us, but they've imitated someone with broken copy in their life. Even though sometimes we want to do the right thing, we wind up doing the wrong thing. And if truth be told, sometimes we don't even want to do the right thing. But that's what repentance is for. That's how those things get fixed. Sometimes the Christian has to stop, look around and say, what I'm doing is not the imitation of God. And we have to go back and start over again. We have to look back at the original, at God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Look back at the apostles. Look at the scriptures. Paul tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we do await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the standard. He's the model. He's the perfect image of the invisible God. So let me ask you few questions for you to think about as you go on with the rest of your day. Would you be happy if a new Christian acts the way that you act? Can you say with Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Believe what I believe. Pray what I pray. Live the way I live. Spend money the way that I do. As you grow in grace and godliness, Sometimes we have to admit that we don't do things so well. I know that sometimes I'm a very good example of a Christian. And sometimes I'm absolutely horrible, absolutely terrible, and have done some terrible things. I have missed the mark. Sometimes I have to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, for Jesus' sake. And that's one of the things in my life that I'm most proud of, is being able to say, I was wrong, and have God... Forgive me and put me in the right direction again. So as you go through life, stand firm in the Lord, my brothers and sisters. Follow the examples that have been set before you that are good and wonderful examples. The apostle comes to the end of the book and he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And where you have missed the mark, don't be ashamed. 
to turn back and seek the Lord. You'll be glad that you did. And generations to come will rise up and thank the Lord for the good examples that you have set for them. After all, if it weren't for that Presbyterian lady a hundred years ago, who knows where I would be today. So I'm thankful for people who've done that. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Lord, thank you that you give us a great example to imitate, that you love us with an everlasting love, that you call us to yourself, that you give us life, that you provide for us all things that we need for life and godliness. Help us, Lord, to show that in our lives, that we would live that way. We pray that where we have failed, that you would forgive us of our sins and point us in the right way. Help us, Lord, to hold on to you by faith. Help us to hold on to the witness, the teaching, the things that we have seen in the apostles and those who've gone before us who are great Christians. Lord, help us to be good examples of what you would have us be. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.